Hi, this is Liam Heenahan, author of Beasts at Bedtime. You can buy it wherever good books are sold, including Amazon.com. You're listening to WCGO Radio, 1590 and 95.9, Chicago's Smart Talk. The Mike Novak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. This guy is a real jerk. He treats the preserves like trash, leaving a mess wherever he goes. The garbage goes in the can, jerk. We said in the can. If kids know this behavior is idiotic, so should adults. Thanks, boys. This definitely isn't the way to get rid of your trash. Hey, jerk, that's a garbage can, not a basketball hoop to work on your terrible shot. Come on, jerk. Seriously? This isn't even the worst jerk move we see. Some jerks do much more than litter. They find spots and turn them into their personal landfill. Jerks like this are the worst kind of jerks. How'd you like it if we came to your home and did this to your front lawn, jerk? These jerks dump and run, leaving us to clean up their mess. We appreciate people who clean up after themselves and the jerks. Trash in the preserves can be harmful to wildlife and easily ruin the experience for others. So don't be a jerk. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets are in the main. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Jet streams, perfect air. And here they are Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Good planets are. In the and welcome to the show. Andrew, Good make morning. sure we've got the uh, board up here. I'm not sure. Is that, uh, well, we'll test it here. And, uh, because I got somebody in the studio I need to play this for. Don't be a jerk. Okay, there we go. I just wanted to... <laughs> I have a new version of that, except it won't load! Uh-oh. I had it, uh, well, I had it, I had it, I loaded it at home, I thought I did, you know, and then we've got our six minutes of madness here between shows, <laughs> and, you know, you got to find things you did three days ago and get it loaded in here, uh, and if I find it, I will, because this is, folks, you are in for a treat. You are in for a treat today on the Mike Novak Show, and the guy who's part of the treat is laughing because he thinks, uh, no, no, they're not. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook, that is the esteemed Roy Diblick. Uh, he is 
he's kind of an icon in the plant world. He's he's a plantsman's plantsman, um, and he's not the only one. I was thinking because I know we're working on. Are, how are we doing with the Skype? Are we still working on that? Oh, have we got have we got Pete there? It's no, no, yeah. Oh, we're working on it. So you, I just got a thumbs up. That usually means he's there. Um, so we're working on getting two of the most important plant guys in the entire visible universe on the show this morning. One of them is Pete Udolf from the Netherlands. He is the guys responsible for designing the Lurie Garden in Chicago, the the High Line in New York City. I mean, you can name. Uh, give me another one, Roy, that uh, Pete's famous for. Oh, it's quite a bit in uh, England. Yeah, he does, he's done yeah. a lot Cold in England. England Goldman Sachs headquarters. Um, Goldman so, Sachs. Yeah. yeah he's done you that. name it. So he's he's a god, okay? And then we have a demigod here in the studio, which is Roy Diblick, because he's a guy who's grown plants uh, for 35 years, more than that, in the Chicago area. Uh, he grew 22,000 of the plants that they put into uh, the Lurie Garden in Millennium Park in the city of Chicago. And now 10 million people come to see that garden each year. 10 million people because it has become a worldwide destination for people who love plants. Yeah. That that shows you the, the kind of work that Pete and Roy have done. Um before we we break here, and then we'll, we'll is I'm hoping we can get Pete because we're trying to do the Skype. Well, I, I I heard the Skype machines on because I heard it going bling in uh, my headset from the Netherlands. Uh, we hope to get Pete on here as well. Uh, I want to do a shout out to uh, the folks at WRSC in uh, State College, PA. And this week, I was on with the morning guys, Jeff and Gary. They were really cool, mm-hmm. and I appreciate it. Thank you. And now we're at a new time. Uh, at WRSC, 9 a.m. Sunday uh, Eastern, and uh, very happy to to be with you and talking all kinds of stuff, horticulture and the environment and, and local food and whatever else comes our way. And we have a great sponsor here, Bartlett Tree Experts, which uh, is also in Pennsylvania, so we're very happy that we can get the word out about them uh, in Pennsylvania. So welcome, WRSC. Uh, you're going get, to get to hear a really good conversation this morning about all kinds of plants, plant communities, how plants live together. How do you make that happen? That's why Roy Diblick is here. And as soon as we get Mr. Udolf from the Netherlands, seven, they're seven hours into the future yes, he there. He said it was 4.15 in the afternoon. Yeah, there we go. All right, stick around. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito Dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. Farm Forward is helping to change the way our world eats and farms to promote conscientious food choices, reduce farmed animal suffering, and advance sustainable agriculture. We are changing policy, changing farming, and changing the story by working with farmers to build alternatives that put animals, farmers, and communities first. To learn more about Farm Forward's work to end animal suffering and advance sustainable agriculture, visit www.farmforward.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter and find out what you can do to help. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Farm Forward. 
Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed away down the highway? Zero to 60 in under three seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2019 Tesla Model X, the award-winning all-electric SUV. But you need to get your tickets soon because only 2,500 will be sold. So how do you win? Go to store.illinoisolar.org. That's store.illinoisolar.org. Buy one raffle ticket for $100 or the four-pack for $300. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. The winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 5th, 2019. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible to win, and you don't even need to be present at the drawing to claim your prize. So get your tickets, the rules, and all the other small print details at IllinoisSolar.org today. Uh, there we go. See, it's the perfect intro for Roy Diblick, uh, who's uh, a cartoon character in his own right. Uh, <laughs> actually, I'm the cartoon character. Roy Diblick is a is a, a master, a whiz at what he does in uh, growing plants. And uh, let me ask: uh, Are we live with Pete Udolph uh, in the Netherlands? Uh, are we there, Pete? I'm here. Yes, I am. Oh, fantastic! Hey. Well, here we are. Welcome, hey, hi, Pete. Good job. Thank you. Hi, Roy. Hi. Good job there in the studio, everybody, and getting that done. But welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Molecki, and here we go. We have two of the great plant guys uh, in the world in, in on the show, one of them uh, via Skype from the Netherlands. And uh, what's uh, what's the day like in the Netherlands today, Pete? It's a sort of uh, sunny, bit clouded, overcast, but uh, not too warm. They expect a heat wave uh, this, week, this week, but uh, for now it's fine, although it's quite dry. We just got past a heat wave here. It ended yeah. last night. Yeah. Uh, I went out. Um, I had a. I took a photo on my back porch with a thermometer mm-hmm. that was at a hundred degrees. Okay, and yeah. and that's, uh, that's Fahrenheit. Of course, we use Fahrenheit here because we're a very backward country. Uh, and uh, and then two hours later, I went out and it was eighty. It had dropped 20 degrees uh, in, in a very, very yeah. short time. And then the rains came, and that was really nice. I really appreciated yeah. Yeah. that. So that's about, that's about how hot it is here now. So yeah. it's about 80, and uh, it's very good. But it's in the afternoon already, so we're finishing the day. Uh, and, of course, that is uh, Pete Udolph, who is a designer uh, of plants in the uh, worldwide He's, uh, uh, he's, you've kind of revolutionized the way perennial gardens are designed. I was reading something yesterday I was kind of surprised at, and maybe you can comment uh, about this, Pete. Uh, it was about the Lurie Garden and your experience in the Lurie Garden. And somebody wrote in some article that I, I, I found, and I think I posted it on my blog, that, um, that that experience kind of changed the way you approached gardens. Did, was, was that a turning point in your career? In effect, it was because we normally did private gardens and small uh, company gardens, and I think that we won the competition with um, uh, 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 Gustafsson and uh, partners. Uh, that was a change in my life. And before that, I never had done 
Yeah, I've done some gardens in England, but maybe not mm -hmm. so uh, public as the Lurie Garden was or the Millennium Park uh, would become. And you had done, a, uh, and, and over your career, you've done a, a lot of research on the kinds of plants you want to put in there. Uh, and, and Roy, you're welcome to jump in okay. any time because you've worked, how, long, how many years have you worked with uh, Pete? Well, since I met him in uh, 20, 2001, we got together in September of 2001. He came to Northwind. Uh huh. And that's when we met. And, 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 uh, and was, Roy, I got to ask you, Pete, was Roy growing the kind of plants that you wanted to use in your gardens? No, it's more that I wanted advice. We did, of course. I came from the Netherlands. I had no idea what the, what the winters in Chicago would would be, so I needed advice. And uh, uh, Roy was uh, a person that was advised by one of the growers in the Netherlands that I should go uh, by him to to speak to him because he they told me that he liked my work. So I thought, okay, it's a real plantsman. So when, on our trip to America, when we were just uh, visiting. Uh, uh, nurseries to see whether we could bring the plants together for that uh, for the for the Lurie garden i met roy and i think that was a sudden i think uh, that afternoon made uh yeah made us friends more yeah, or less it we was a, the same language it was a, a we yeah. gave a good relationship yeah, we, we, <laughs> we talked about the same things a lot Especially, yeah and yeah. Uh, roy was, was easy going I, I put down my my planting plan on the table roy commented commented on it and i think i just wrote it down and, and from that moment on we had a relationship not only with plants but also as friends yeah when you put the plant on the picnic table in our potting shed it was the first time in my life i could actually see the whole garden come to life you could mm -hmm. see it raise off the paper uh -huh. and you could see all the plants relating to each other uh -huh. at different times there and i've never had that experience before i've never seen a design where you could see the plants raise off the paper show their relationships to each other, and come to life. So it was a big turning point for me, too, because a lot of the plants I grew, I never thought they'd ever leave the nursery. They just weren't accepted personalities yeah. in our horticultural Such as which, which types of plants? Well, just a simple plant like prairie drop seeds, mm -hmm. Parabolus heterolepis, that was not used ornamentally. That was used in prairie recreations, prairie restorations. Mm -hmm. It was just finding its home in... Horticulture, because it was mostly Penicetum allopecuroides that people were planting. Well, no, well, no, no, don't go using that language on my <laughs> show. Fountain grass. There you go. Thank you. Hey, well, you know, we have to keep people up to speed because, uh, it, and and I know it's important when you're in the business, you have to use the botanical names. But uh, sometimes people's eyes right. glaze over, and if you want to capture them, if you want to inspire them, sometimes you have to make it just a tiny mm -hmm. bit more accessible. Well, sometimes it's hard because common names are regional. And I, yes, had, a, yes. I, had, I had a woman come in, she wanted to buy a bloody nose. <laughs> and she she grew up with bloody nose uh -huh. as a plant. And I, she says, I know you have it. I know you have it. I've never heard of bloody nose. And it turned out to be Trillium recurvatum, prairie trillium. <laughs> wow. So yeah. it's, sometimes it's difficult yeah. with common names. And you know so, what? I can see that. Yeah. Common yeah. names can be 10 but, different plants. But who would have guessed that? Yeah. Well, okay, yeah. if I came in and asked for firecrackers, what would you give me? I'd give you, a, 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 I don't know, nothing. I wouldn't have anything to give you. Pete, Pete what would you give so, me? So, Solidago? Nope. It would no. be it would be Monarda. Oh, Dictamnus. Oh, okay. What? Go ahead. Dictamnus? No, it would be Monarda because uh, that's what my, my 
family called them firecrackers because when they yeah. bloom, it looks like a firework going off, mm-hmm. right. and it usually blooms around the 4th of July. And yet my mom called salvia firecrackers. Well, oh, your, mom, right. your mom was wrong. Okay, I'm just telling you. <laughs> but, but you know, from the what's the right. common name right. that people use? It's, it's, it is regional. You know, you can yeah. travel, travel through yeah. Illinois, Wisconsin, find many different names for similar yeah. plants. So you guys are, are and I, I will mention this so folks know uh, one of the reasons you're on the show. One of the reasons you're on the show is just I've wanted to have you guys both on the show for years. And we talked, Pete and Roy. Uh, Roy's been on the show subsequently, but the the only time I've ha- I had you two together was back when I was at Gargantua Radio down the dial. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. um, the big the big radio station with uh, who where Peggy and I visited uh, several weeks ago. And... Um, you cannot believe how much money is in that radio station. I mean, I then you come back here. No offense to the folks at WCGO, but uh, let me tell you something, Andrew. Uh, you work at WGN, and the money spills out in the hallway. You just scoop it up as you're walking down the halls, okay? Uh, I have to go there on my way home. Yeah, you should. You should, but you can't get in through security. They won't oh. let you in. But I had you guys there because we were talking about the Lurie Garden. It was about the time when you were put in, putting being installed. Yeah, about and I 15 have fifteen years ago. Um, yeah. about that, about fifteen is, years because we're at the fifteenth anniversary. This right? is the fifteen year anniversary for Lurie. Now, the fifteen year anniversary of the garden itself, Millennium Park was you know it was supposed to open for the Millennium. It was about four or five years late, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if we if we look fifteen years back from now, so that would be. 2004. And I can remember I went out there with Roy. Roy, uh, the Salvia River, which is one of, if you've never seen the Salvia River uh, in the Lurie Garden, uh, and I haven't seen it in a couple of years, I have to admit. Mm-hmm. Um, is it still performing well? Oh, it's beautiful. And and Pete has enhanced it with alliums. A whole yeah, group of... Are they, are they in flower now? Or Yeah, yeah, they're starting to, to bloom. The alliums are enhanced, so when the salvias are at a less of a flowering moment, the alliums erupt with color. And wow. Laura, who maintained that, mm-hmm. she, who takes care of it, she's the head of horticulture. She's terrific. And you, she's what, you terrific. might, and I have this photo of the pots laid out for their, their gallon containers mm-hmm. uh, of, of salvia before they were dug into the ground, and it's where you had laid them out in the, the area you wanted to have right a, in the drifts. Right. The, yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I show that to folks in garden clubs. I say, what's that? And they, they have no idea. <laughs> they have no idea. Uh, but most of them don't plant that way. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between the average gardener and what you and Pete do. Uh, and Pete, can you tell me about the genesis of the Salvia River? Yeah, I think we, we used four, four varieties uh, of Nemorosa, and I think uh, a lighter blue one, a darker blue one, and one that started a bit earlier. So I think it was Minot and uh, uh, Blue Hill, and I think this, uh, I forgot the other one, uh, Minot, Blue Hill, and Roy probably will know it. Uh, uh, Rugen, Salvia Rugen. Rugen. Yes, yeah, three, three varieties, and they, it was... You know, the idea came from an earlier garden I had made, and I thought we could uh, normally don't uh, uh, do do again what I've done before, but this was in a small town in in Sweden where I did it. And I thought here from all the the high rises and and, uh, the art institute, people should see something graphic instead of just uh, even if they... uh, 
it should have something graphic, you know, to overlook. And I think that is why I came on the idea of the Salvia River, so that people can see it from the building as some, as, as something, uh, uh, you know, how you say that, very uh, remarkable and very clear. And especially also in the season it happens, that is June, not so much else is in flower. It all starts. Yeah, it I think that was the whole idea that uh, that I did the Salvia River. And it was... A nice move, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I I would say that. It was a very good move. But it's just... It creates a good start to spring. Yeah, it's it's very very, very engaging right away. Kind of a jump start Mm -hmm. for for the spring. And and that's true because I think, uh, and maybe you guys can address this. By the way, we're talking to uh, Roy Diblick from Northwind Perennial Farm. I didn't mention before that. Yeah. If you want to see what Roy does, go up to Burlington, Wisconsin, to Northwind Perennial mm-hmm. Farm. You can go to northwindperennialfarm.com and find. And uh, I have to add with, the, with uh, my two partners, Steve mm-hmm. and Colleen. Right, Steve and Colleen and and Roy put this all together, and it, it's been going for a while, and it's a beautiful place to go, and it's it's a destination. It's one of those one of those garden centers uh, that's a destination. It's not actually a garden center. How would you describe it? I think it's a we our goal is to educate, and inspire people. Yeah. So we we look at education, inspiration, and look at artwork in the garden. Colleen puts a lot of artwork, and mm-hmm. Steve puts yeah. a lot of different uh, stonework using regional stones. Okay. And old papers. I think you can call it the garden that sells plants. Yeah, that's a good. That's a, a garden good. that sells plants. Yeah, that that's perfect, Pete. Thanks, Pete. I like that the, a garden. Yeah, it is perfect. because it's a garden. You go yeah, there. Ellie's going to get that texted out. That's going to go out. Uh, and out. We, we actually grow sixty-five thousand perennials too. Mm-hmm. We don't buy in from uh, other suppliers. So we we grow. Uh, we grow our own plants. We nurture and care our own plants every year. So that's, and that's Roy, and so that's where Roy comes from. And he grows. How many plants do you grow now each year out there? About sixty-five thousand. How does that even happen? Well, I used to grow four hundred ten thousand a year from nineteen ninety-five to twenty ten. Uh huh. We supplied Midwest ground covers with their perennial liners. I got Midwest ground covers into perennials in nineteen ninety-one. They kept expanding their range of plants. Mm-hmm. Because the whole idea is to keep creating diversity. Yeah. You know, if you use five or six perennials, you don't end up with much diversity. You don't end up with many ways of creating different forms of uh, different styles. So the more opportunities you have with diversity and encouraging diversity and also durability. We want to put plants in that live. Right. And if you want to get rid of them, you have to go out and kill them. That's the idea. You have to you have to make the effort to kill plants. And that's why I put in my book, I put 72 plants that you'd have to make the effort to kill and by the way, I'm so glad you mentioned that because he is the author of the No Maintenance Perennial Garden. K-N-O-W. Uh, I was going to get to oh, that. I'm sorry. Uh, it's like, <laughs> you think you I'm back. not going to mention that? I'm looking right at the book. The K-N-O-W, No Maintenance Perennial Garden. Uh, and uh, that's still available, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I actually put a link uh, to uh, to the uh, Northwind Perennial site for the book. Because, oh, thank you. Because I'm not yeah. a fan of Amazon. So the, okay. <laughs> I want well. you guys to, to get the money from this, all right? Uh, and then uh, Pete Udolf, of course, is, uh, as we mentioned, world-famous uh, designer and uh, in the Netherlands, but he's done work in Germany, Sweden, England, Ireland, Italy, Canada, the United States, on and on. You guys, uh, you and your wife used to have uh, a garden where you allowed people to tour, but from what I saw on your website, you don't do that anymore. Is that correct? No, it's only our 
uh, our own garden, our private garden, we normally had people that came and made appointments and sometimes half a year before uh, before the date. And I think uh, uh, getting a little bit older, you want to be free and have your agenda empty. And uh, although it's not easy to get my agenda empty because I'm, I travel a lot and I still do a lot of work on my design, uh, we didn't want that at home. And uh, in the meantime, we have six gardens here in the Netherlands that people can visit. They are all public. They're in cities and they're spread over the Netherlands and also on the border, over the border in Germany. So I think, you know, why, uh, you know, it's only so they can skip our garden and look for the other garden. But do yourself but a it's favor. Still, it's, it's complicated because people still come, you know, can we come? I got emails. I said, you know, there's one possibility if you're in the Netherlands, call me one day before, then we know if we're at home, but not a week before, because then we still have our agenda open and want to keep it open. <laughs> I like that. Mm-hmm. That sounds yes. like me. Yeah. All right. We're going to break here. When we come back, I want to talk more with Pete Udolph and, uh, and uh, Roy Diblick. Uh, I want to talk about something that is sometimes controversial, which is how do you mix natives with non-natives? And what, is your, what are your philosophies? regarding that uh, because it's you're doing it a lot in your garden designs we'll be back it's the mike novak show with peggy malecki we hope you stick around from wisconsin to indiana from lake michigan to st charles see some of the best gardens ponds and koi in the area on the midwest pond and koi society annual garden and pond tour july 21st and 22nd and 28th and 29th get your maps for the self-guided tour at mpks.org and at local businesses throughout chicagoland it's only 15 dollars, and tour hours are 9 a.m to 5 p.m on each day get inspiration for your own garden and pond go to mpks.org A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. never know what our bumper music's going to be. I only play the latest hits, all right? <laughs> Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. I like a... Ch- 
Okay. Uh, we're going to get back to Pete. Oh, it's so funny. Everybody's running around here doing stuff. Oh, yeah. Pete ran away from the camera there I'm for just, a second, and Roy's just sitting just, here. Just sitting here like a, he, he's, like a log. He's, he's pounded his <laughs> brewed tea. And the first time, okay, I got to tell the story, Pete, because I, uh, yeah. Roy and I always talk about this. The first time he was on the show back at the big radio station with all the money <laughs> falling out of the cracks, uh, he was on at noon, yeah. with, at noon with me. And I found out later that uh, he had gone across the street to have a beer because he was so nervous. Uh, and now, because you guys are so famous since that time and you've become so famous, I'm the nervous one. So I started getting liquored up about 6 a.m. All right. I'm just uh, I don't I don't know how to deal with uh, the, the, the kind of fancy people I have in the room here today. So uh, that's it's okay. Hard. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> they, they don't look fancy, at least. Yeah. <laughs> All right, hang on a second. We'll get right back to you guys. Got a minute for your trees? Bartlett Tree Experts believes that early detection of plant problems and targeted treatments will protect the beauty and vigor of your plants. They call it the Monitor Program, and it means caring for the entire plant from the roots to the shoots. It includes regular inspections of your landscape, followed by necessary treatments and a report. Bartlett looks for root disease, plant disease, insects and mites, foliar disease, nutrient and soil deficiencies, and root collar problems. Then they bring in the monitor PHC specialists, that stands for plant health care specialists, who are trained in all aspects of integrated pest management, or IPM. You've heard about that on this show from time to time. They employ technological innovations, but also rely on environmental stewardship to reduce pesticide use up to 90%. And encourage natural biological control of pests. It's backed by the Diagnostic Clinic at the Bartlett Tree Research Laboratories. Peggy and I have been down there. And they provide an accurate and timely diagnosis. Let the Bartlett Tree experts keep your trees healthy because every tree needs a monitor. Go to Bartlett.com. Could I add something about Bartlett? Yes. What they've done, they, they, there's two, two elm trees left at the Yard Institute mm-hmm. on Michigan Avenue. You and mean two American elms? Two American Orig- elms. Original American elms? They were planted in the early 50s, okay. I think. And they're oak-shaped. They're not the V-shaped American hmm. elms. They're, they have an oak shape. Mm-hmm. And they have kept those trees alive through treatment for a number, a number, a number wow. of years. So I think without Bartlett's ingenuity and observation of those trees, that would be a very barren courtyard without, without their... Uh, care for those two oak-shaped elm trees. It's amazing what we can do and and what people will do to save their trees. A lot of people are doing that now with ash trees. Mm -hmm. Uh, A friend of mine has a beautiful ash tree in the backyard and uh, gets it treated. And I said, yeah, absolutely. You don't want to lose that. It's so, it's huge. It's got to be 80 feet tall. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and it's spectacular. And why would you want to lose that? You pick and choose. You have to pick and choose here. And and I think if those two, when those two elms pass away, which they may eventually do, that'll change Michigan Avenue. It'll just change the the whole perspective there. Well, thank you for that observation. Well, they're very good. And you have a design at the Art Institute. I did the Sullivan Arch. Mm -hmm. And... uh, yeah, I did the Sullivan Arch. Wait, 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 wait. That's it? That's that's all you're going to well, say? Well, I, I sometimes think about the stewardship, and I wish the sometimes wish the people in the Art Institute would be more uh, um, understanding of the care and maintenance that plants need. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I can fully appreciate that they understand the care and maintenance of artwork. But artwork just isn't something on a canvas or something you sculpt out of rock. Artwork is like what Pete does in gardening. The, the, the Lurie Garden is a piece of artwork. People want to look at it as a nature preserve, a prairie. You know, Pete's gardens are artistically artwork. And he has a way of, he put the plants together so they socially understand yeah. each other's lifestyle. So it's a dynamic piece of artwork. It's not just something hanging on a wall. And they have that same thing in the South Courtyard at the Art Institute. That's artwork out there. That mm-hmm. whole courtyard is artwork. So it's, if, if there was as much appreciation for the artwork outside as there is inside, I, I, I think that's important. To look at well, that. that's you know the the artwork that you guys start. Yes, has to be maintained. Uh, but let's go to Pete here. Um, when's the last time you saw the Lurie Garden? I think it was last year. I think I almost come since Laura is there. I think they invite me almost every year, and, and not uh, normally it was every two years. But there seem to be uh, moments that they uh, that they can create. Uh, a small budget for me to come. And I think it's important to, um, and every two years would be enough in a garden that exists so long. But I think uh, it's all about, it's of course about design. It's not just about the planting that evolves through the years and that gets better or worse. I think it is that we need to keep the design intent as well. So first we need people like Laura or Jennifer or, or, or uh, everyone who was there before, I think we uh, we we need a good budget understanding from from people that are in uh, directing the park. I think it's all necessary to to make things work. If one of this in the chain fails, then everything fails. Is that right. Laura? Yeah. If we don't, yeah, if we don't have a person like Laura or Scott, no, it would would not happen. Mm-hmm. And 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 that was the question I wanted to get to, which is, uh, you mentioned uh, that the garden changes over the years, and I've seen it change over the mm-hmm. years. Roy knows it changes. Plants uh, ebb and flow. Some of them get invasive. Some of them disappear. Uh, but you're trying to keep the original intent, the artistic intent yeah. there. Uh, yeah. So the idea is that we have in several areas. So you would say... Uh, the first where we um, enter the garden is more wild, uh, uh, looks more like a nature preserve. The other part is more a garden, uh, you know, with many American natives. And I think uh, I look at it and from an aesthetic point of view, I have to say, yeah, this is still what I had in mind or what I can uh, see as, uh, as how it would develop. Mm-hmm. And uh, the moment that everyone starts to put in his own idea of plants or his own plants he likes, then it changes very quickly, and then it disappears. So the, And that is what sometimes happens. Right, right. Uh, all right, so let's get to that question I, I teased before we went to the break, and that is about natives versus non-natives. There are a fair number of natives, but there are non-natives in there too. How is it that you decide plants work together? Let's start with Roy here, because you're growing them, and you, you watch how they, mm-hmm. they interact as you raise them. Well, I look at First thing I look at is goals and objectives of the project. If the goals and objectives are to design something using only native plants, then I would that based on the goals and objectives, I would use just native plants, but it's all about composition. Some people just willy-nilly throw native plants in and believe it to be beautiful because it's a collection of native plants. Mm-hmm. But if you if, without without <laughs> My good, hands in the air. Without good composition, 
is the first thing you have to track before you attract a butterfly, a bird, or a pollinator, you have to attract people. Mm-hmm. And if people don't like what they see, they're just going to rip it out. I've had that happen many yeah. times. And even with things that I thought were in scale, it just they were, they were uncomfortable with uh, that free-flowing look. But that was 20 years ago. Yeah. Now I get people inviting that free-flowing look, but you still have to work with composition. So tastes have changed as oh, well. Dramatically, yes. Over, oh, yeah. Okay, now I'm going to go to Pete. Pete, uh, what is yeah. your philosophy? You no, know, you cannot just take 100 uh, different plants and throw them in the air and let them drop and, 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 and start <laughs> growing. I think that doesn't work, that people will... Uh, uh, People want to see things organized, and I think design is something aesthetically organized in a way that people love it. And, and, and I think also in our job, it's complicated because it also has to grow together. And I think native and non-native, we always have said, of course, there's no, no bee in the, in, the, in the world that uh, thinks about, is this native? If it likes it, it likes it. And I think that is, uh, there's no insect, I think, Okay, I don't like this plant because it comes from another country. I think that is also not the point. Of course, there are plants that are necessary for, for uh, uh, to put their eggs on or the larvas uh, would eat it. I think that's also important. So, but it's, uh, today, it's, life is so complicated, but also our world is so diverse that if we ban all the beautiful and, and interesting uh, plants out that are non-native, that there's not much, then there's enough left, but... You know, it's not necessary to leave them out. And the plants, to be fair to the plants, they don't know. Like prairie drop seed doesn't know it shouldn't live with a daylily. It doesn't say, (laughs) what am I doing here with this daylily? Why shouldn't I? I want to be with an echinacea. What we do as human beings categorize everything and box everything up. Mm -hmm. Do I want to live in your box? Do I want to live in your box? When someone's teaching you something, they're just teaching you how to live in their box. So you always have to learn how to crawl on top of the box, look over it, look into other boxes so you can create a more diverse life and have an understanding that's much more diverse and more complex, have a more complex way of understanding, especially how plants live together from youth to maturity. Mm -hmm. When you put a plant in the ground, it's a three-year-old child. How is that three-year-old child going to relate to the plants you put it with? Is it going to outcompete the plants it's with? Is it going to live well with the plants it's with? And people look at plants at maturity and how they look when they're mature, but they never look how they're going to grow together from youth to maturity. All right, let's go right there, because one of the things you talked to me about the other day when we chatted was this new philosophy of bringing in smaller plants. And Pete, I understand they do that in Europe. Here in America, it's been, oh, let's get the gallon container. Hey, if we're really, really on top of things, we'll get a two-gallon container. Uh, But Roy's saying now it's a two-and-a-half-inch a containers or a four-inch container and put those in, and they will catch up very quickly. Uh, well, well, actually, uh, it, is, you know, it is not only fashion, it is also marketing that you, uh, right. uh, let's say if you as a contractor go to a private garden you, and, and, and the client wants the garden to be uh, yeah, seen very quickly, let's say mature in, 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 in a few months, which is impossible they think that if they come in with a big container that then it already looks mature mm-hmm. but the plant is probably mm-hmm. still the same as it was in a in a, in a quart pot uh, a month before so uh, it is uh, we as uh, professionals like to plant small because the plants start quickly and they they grow quickly in into the the, the soil where they're put in so what ever uh, roy says I, i'm uh, all my calculations are on either four-inch pots or plugs. And if, if, if not available, we go a little bit b- 
bigger, but we try to keep it as much uh, the size small. All right. Well, we need to take another break, and we'll, we'll continue this conversation. And that words to the wise, folks. If you're planting, go smaller because they will catch up, and you're going to save money. Mm-hmm. And you have more flexibility, too. Right. As a, right. All, right. All right. That's uh, uh, Roy Diblick. We're with Pete Udolf. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, and we'll be right back. Hi, this is Peggy. McHenry County's largest annual green living event is also one of our area's best green events. The 2019 Green Living Expo, November 2nd at McHenry County College in Crystal Lake, attracts hundreds of attendees. We know, we've been there, and it's impressed us for years. So get your business in front of this crowd as a vendor or a sponsor. And yes, green holiday gift ideas are welcome too. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. Do you love trees? Do you have a great story to tell about a special tree in your life? The Morton Arboretum and Openlands have partnered to launch Tremendous Tree Stories, an online collection of stories highlighting people's connection to trees. Submit stories of the trees you cherish, remember from childhood, or that hold a special meaning for you. Browse the collection and consider sharing your own tree story by visiting tree-stories.org. Tree-stories.org. Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to lead healthier lives. And Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings is the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complementary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even keeping your pets healthy. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and healthy cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout the city, as well as suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. It'll be a buttercup. This is a real. This is a real gardening. This is the song. foundations. This, yeah, wow. It'll okay. be a buttercup. There he is, Roy Diblick. <laughs> wow. I have to say that's very cool, man. <laughs> this is, in my opinion, this is the best gardening song of all time. This you, is, you gotta play Love Grows or Rosemary Goes. No, I don't like that, that song. No, I'm not no, no. That's just no. that that song's too dippy. This is a fun song. Okay. Uh welcome back to the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. City Grange, Chicago's newest and most unique garden center, says that there's nothing like making memories in the summer garden. Join crafter extraordinaire Linda Locke for a one-hour nature-based craft and educational activity for children ages 4 through 10. Now, parents can participate or browse while the fun happens, but they must be on the premises. Participating kids will receive a discovery passport they can stamp after each Saturday. Full passports get a prize after the final session. Now, these events happen August 3rd through September 14th. Go to citygrange.com. Complimentary valet parking on the weekends, that means today. 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa. City Grange, united we blossom. 
We are talking to two of the world-famous plants. You know, plantsmen, I'm not a fan of the, the, the word. I wish it could be plants person or plants – you know, we can have plants it can women. It can, we can change language all plants the time. Plants people. Plants people. We have a culture of changing language. For we do we Plants want. critters. We do it all the time. Peggy and I ran into that the other day yeah. uh, regarding uh, gender. And it's just everything's changing very quickly. Uh, but Pete Udolph and, and Roy. Sometimes. So that is uh, plants persons. Or person. that's a- yeah. You know, it just it's it. it plant, when I hear plantsmen, I go, OK, we're not in the 1950s anymore. There's a lot of people who are doing this mm-hmm. stuff. So uh, and I don't want to get too far down that that road but i'm just saying that it's a very inclusive world right now it's and certainly a lot of the people who grow and design are women okay uh so uh but uh, pete udolph is with us and roy diblick is with us and uh pete you said something a, a little bit ago uh that got our friend benjamin vote and you know <laughs> benjamin uh, Roy and, yeah, yeah. and Benjamin he's, wrote to me last night and said you got to say hi to Roy when he's mm-hmm. on the show. I've had I got to tell you I got I got fan mail from people when they found out you were going to be mm-hmm. on the show. They're going cool one one of the women who up in Wisconsin says I'm in love with Roy but don't tell him. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and there are other people like that. And uh, Benjamin said and I'm finding it here. We go. He says hey. There are uh, lots of specialist native bees that can only use the pollen of native plants. Uh, Heather Holmes' research, among many others, shows this burgeoning research. And when we lose a specialist bee species, others become generalist and pollination rates suffer. So that's you know, and 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 I and I don't know if Pete knows Benjamin Vote, but uh, Roy, you and I do, mm-hmm. and Peggy, and he's been in the show several times. He's he's one of the guys that's like fighting hard mm-hmm. for native plants, and and I like that. Mm-hmm. I think we should fight hard for native right. plants. Um, you can, you know, but uh, Mike, can I tell you that thirty years ago there was no native plants used in public gardens, and now we started using them, and now we have to use hundred percent of them, which is not fair. <laughs> Think if we give the world uh, the chance to learn to know about the native plants, and then uh, uh, they try to take us back from where we came from, you know, from design. That is not honest. Well, and if you look at Lurie Garden, just uh, if, and you look at the world that is existing with commercial prairies, mm-hmm. the Lurie Garden has more native species than more commercial prairies do. Commercial prairies have five species per prairie. A commercial prairie is big blue stem Indian grass, New England aster, Saladago show up on their own. Some Menarda that disappears, or Jackie, oh, how that disappears? That's, that's in fact always what, yeah, what I find sort of strange. You know that once you start something and you bring things into the world, what what people can, uh, and they suddenly take over from you. That they say, okay, you should use only natives, and because. So and so, so and so, and I say we we are making gardens. We are not creating nature. We just garden makers and beautiful things for right. people. That's I, where it all starts. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Is that you when you're doing the Lurie Garden, it's not a prairie. You're creating a garden. It's back to goals and objectives. Yeah, right. back to art. Which right, right. back to art form. Um, and the fact and, and Pete, you made a really good point, which is that 30 years ago nobody was using natives, and now look no. how many natives are being used in a garden like the in Lurie. The, in the 1990s, I was selling sporobolis for uh, a detention ponds to the Army Corps of Engineer projects. Because that's the only people who would buy. That's it. all they were going. Mm-hmm. Most of most of the plants I grew. Yeah. Three hundred. Now you're criticized because you use non-natives, which is ridiculous. 
<laughs> all right, all right. Well, okay. I don't think we have enough time for no, that whole I, conversation I, you know, right here. Well, the ne- we're going to devote the next four hours to that. All right, uh, <laughs> on the show. Um, our, our opening. Can I, can I just tell you one little Jerry Wilhelm story? Okay, this will take thirty seconds. All right, go. The Schulenberg Prairie at the Morton Arboretum is a prairie recreation, not mm-hmm. restoration. Right. It has the most species per square meter of any recreation you'll find. It's got about eight to twelve species per square meter. Okay. Messick prairies have 18, 14 to 22 species per square meter. They were wondering at the Arboretum, Jerry Wilhelm was telling me, we have all these plants here. We have such diversity. Where are the insects that should be here? And they finally found out they won't have the insects that should be there, even though they had the plants for another 150 years, because they have to, the prairie has to recreate its own soil. The soil temperature, the soil were not, was not prairie soil. It's going to take another 150 years because those insects have to lay eggs, they have to live in the earth, mm-hmm. a lot of them. So it's another 150 years before we have prairie soils created by the living and dying of the roots there at the Schulenberg Prairie. Yikes. So it's not just things show up because you have the plants. You have to have the other conditions that the insects live in. And that was, Jerry, I was shocked when I heard that. Right. All right, two things we got to get in. We've got like three minutes, uh, and we're going to do this very fast. First, I'm, I'm just do a little plug for you guys. You're going to be at the Perennial Plant Association's National Symposium in Rosemont, Illinois. A week from Tuesday, you guys will be speaking. The symposium is actually from July 28th, so that's next Sunday okay. to August 2nd, and there's a ton of stuff going on. Go to my website, mikenovak.net. You'll have links to the Perennial Plant Association, which is basically perennialplant.org. And if you just go to perennialplant.org, you can find all of that stuff. And it's held in conjunction with All America Selections and National Garden Bureau. But there's a special day called Monday Education, which is a week from tomorrow. And it's a series of pre-conference lectures at the Crown Plaza O'Hare in Rosemont. Uh, That's a special registration. Now, Here's the deal. If you want to register for the big conference, you've got to do it by the end of the day today. That's what they're mm-hmm. telling us. If you want to do the Monday Education series of pre-conference lectures, which is a bunch of them, you've got till to the end of tomorrow because they knew we were having you guys on the show and they wanted to get this out. Uh, so go to my website, MikeNovak.net, and it, where it says Monday Education series of pre-conference lectures, click on it and you can find out what's there and uh, and. You can sign up for it if you want to be there. The other thing I wanted to bring up is, Pete, you're going to my hometown. You're doing a garden in Detroit. That's where I grew yes. up. I am so excited. You're doing <laughs> you're doing the garden on Belle Isle, which is just a an underused yeah. and, and awesome facility. So tell us about that very quickly. Now, very quickly. Yeah, we. I was uh, asked two years ago by the Garden Club of Michigan if I want, wanted to um, design a garden for them. And, you know, wherever I, I didn't know, but... Since then, we uh, I said yes, and uh, since then the the ball started rolling. I think uh, even Roy is involved, and and um, uh, Orson is involved. We have let's say it's such a big team and such a nice team, and also they have raised the money for the garden. So we start building it. They already started building it. That is in short what it is. So a beautiful garden, one and a half acre of perennial garden mm-hmm. uh, near the carillion, mm-hmm. near the aquarium, yes. near the mm-hmm. uh, the greenhouse. And uh, I, I, that's a beautiful site and, and, and the best people you can have to, to work with. They are. I've spoken to the Garden Clubs of Michigan and they are wonderful. Um, but I don't think that p- the people of Detroit 
know exactly what they're getting. They are going to be so pleased and so happy with this. And I want to come out and help. Roy says you'll volunteers. be here. There's some volunteers. <laughs> I'm coming out in September, okay? Are you going to be? September 16th, they start planting. I think we do a remote broadcast from I, there. I'm thinking we're going to plant it. Hey, uh, Pete Udolph uh, in the Netherlands, Roy Diblick in the studio. Thank you so much. We really this appreciate it. This was too it. cool. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, be more specific. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Of course. Attack of the Killer Asparagus is required reading at Starfleet Academy. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Gwynok of Ninglador. Captain, shields are failing. Thank you, Mr. Wolf. Mr. Data, options. Captain, it seems to be available online at aroundtheblockpress.com. What do they have to say? Hmm. It appears that Mike Novak is a slapstick every gardener, taking all our self-delusions, mishaps, and confusions, and playing them for big laughs. That's not very helpful, Mr. Data. No, it is, however, highly accurate. Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. This hour is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts. Every tree needs a champion. Go to Bartlett.com. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food Welcome to, to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Those of you watching on Facebook, you need to uh, take a look at uh, camera three. Um, I don't want to block your beautiful face either, but mostly I don't want to block the beautiful cowboy hat. So th- is this your style? Is this is this you, Tom Bouchel? This is yep. This is uh, this is me in the trade in the green industry. That's how people know me. This is how my kids find me in the large crowd. Wait a Look second, you're you're a Wisconsin guy, right? Yes. So what? How did this come about? Well, when I first started at at the nursery that I was working at, um, I'd gone to see a dermatologist, and because I work outdoors or mm-hmm. work primarily outdoors because of the skin cancer risk, right? Said I needed to wear a wide brim hat, so ah. that's where it originated there you from. Go. And that's the way you get a. That's how you get away with wearing a cowboy hat in the Midwest, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. a it's a great look. And I just wanted folks and yeah, and you're you got the white hat, so you're a good guy, right? Oh sure, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all of us the... plants people are uh, are good people. You can take the head off now and put the headset well, back on. <laughs> I find that yeah, mostly plants people are good people. Mm-hmm. There's like if you're growing plants, it's hard to be evil, if you ask me. Uh, and Tom is the president of Bushell Horticultural Solutions, and he's a compliance officer for Nature Hills. Uh, and uh, something called Plant Century, which we talked about. It was almost exactly a year ago on this show. August 5th. Uh, And um, the reason we're doing it today, and and we're jumping right in in the second hour, is because this is another jam-packed show, and we want to uh, devote as much time as possible to this uh, because, as we've reported on this show, and, and the word has gotten out, uh, to a lot of places, we uh, have had a uh, a pathogen introduced to 
not just Illinois, not just Indiana. We hear it's in West Virginia now and Missouri and other places. Ohio. Uh, Ohio. Oh, it's just uh, just a, a really sad thing. It is something called Phytophthora remorum, uh, which is which was trans transmitted, I guess, and transported on rhododendrons and lilacs uh, to a bunch of stores in the Midwest and I apparently 18 different states. And I don't know how many stores, but a lot of them were Walmarts and Hy-Vee's. Uh, is that Hy-Vee? Hy- 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 I've never even heard of Hy-Vee. I don't even know what that is. And Rural King. Mm-hmm. Um, Say that fast. And remorum blight, when it's on a rhododendron or a lilac, can cause the death of that plant. And you, you say, yeah, so what? It's a rhododendron or a lilac. And, you know, if you're in, in Chicago area, what are you doing growing rhododendrons anyway? And, and I hope you know what I'm talking yeah. about, Tom, because <laughs> we got alkaline clay soil and rhododendrons do not like alkaline clay soil. So stop doing that, folks. Stop buying the rhododendrons. That's all I got to say. I mean, I know that the industry is constantly trying to come up with varieties that will survive here. But uh, in general, I mean, we were talking earlier with Roy Diblick about native plants and, and you know, maybe you should explore something native to the area. But at any rate, so if it comes into one of those plants, you go, yeah, so what? The problem is the same pathogen can cause a disease called sudden oak death, which has been a huge problem on the West Coast since about the turn of the century, since about 2000. It was identified before then, but that's when it started showing up, right, Tom? Yep, that is correct, Mike. Sun Oak Death has been around for quite a few years. Um, It's kind of reared its ugly head again. Uh, Killed thousands of oak trees in, in California. That's what heightened awareness on the subject. And it hasn't been in Illinois, which is, you know, and in, in, in the Midwest area, which, and horticulturists have been working really hard to make sure it doesn't come here, right? Exactly. It's it's a highly regulated item at the, the federal and state levels. All the states are, are constantly watching for it if, it's, if, if plants are coming into their state through the inspection process, and that's how this was found. Um, but you have to be compliant. <clears throat> and that's the first. Should, should, can we get this guy some water? Uh, <laughs> Ellie, get get a little water for Tom there. He he rode in on the horse all the way from <laughs> from Wisconsin, and you know, and I and I'm not going to say and the horse you rode in on. All right, uh, we just water for 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 Tom. I'm sorry, I interrupted you there, but um, it's it's something that we've been trying to keep out, and now it's come piggybacked on these other plants. Right, it's coming on on the the lilacs, azaleas, like you you had said. There's there's also uh, you know there's about a hundred host plants for sudden oak death. Right, it's not just those mm-hmm. those kinds. Right, so whatever's on, you know came in on these semi trucks, if they were commingled with other plants, oh. and maybe there's there's some of those ho- other host plants or potential host mm-hmm. plants on the truck, you know they have the chance to become infected too. So. In the state of Illinois, a lot of your your big oaks and and, and grandeur teas are in the southern part of the state, um, but you do have beautiful old majestic oak trees. Um, yeah, they're they're really worried more well. about the southern part of Illinois, I, and I would imagine it's because it's slightly warmer too. Is that is that part of the reason? Yeah, it's kind of a coastal climate down there too, and I mean this is yeah. this is a coastal disease, so it does really well with humidity, rain. Um, those types of things, and in the Midwest, if you want to talk about a perfect storm this year, uh, not only did the plants ship in spring when plants are flying out the door, 
uh, at these retail outlets, but we also had the weather right. uh, and the rain yes. in Very wet the Midwest. Spring. All right, we're going to get more into that and how the industry can stop that kind of transmission of disease. How How is it that the, the growers and the distributors, the retailers, the wholesalers can all be responsible people? That is Tom Bouchel. We'll be talking about Plant Century when we come back. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Hey, Chicagoland, when you want the best science-based tree care in the area, go to Bartlett Tree Experts. With locations in Barrington, Naperville, Chicago, and Northbrook, Bartlett has 80 tree care professionals ready to do what's right for your tree and you. Whether it's your home or your business, a large job or a small one, every tree needs a champion. Call Bartlett for a free estimate. Go to Bartlett.com. Mosquitoes transmit deadly diseases like Zika and West Nile virus, but Summit Mosquito Dunks kill mosquitoes before they're old enough to bite. Just float an organic mosquito dunk in ponds, bird baths, and any standing water to kill mosquito larvae for 30 days or longer. Don't worry, mosquito dunks won't harm people, pets, fish, or wildlife. Mosquito Dunks, available at fine garden centers, hardware stores, and online. Visit SummitResponsibleSolutions.com. The folks at the Midwest Pond and Koi Society want you to show up in their backyards. Well, you have to sign up, and there's a small fee, but you can see some of the best gardens, ponds, and koi in Chicagoland on July 21st, 22nd, 28th, and 29th on the annual Garden and Pond Tour. It's self-guided, and you can go on any day or on all of them. Tour maps at mpks.org and at garden centers and businesses throughout the region. That's mpks.org. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. We're also at TheGreenDivas.com and on the Gab Radio Network. Podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. Sign up for posts in our newsletter on the homepage and support the sponsors who support us. Look for their logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. And I guess I have to play this because Tom Bouchel is kind of a Dudley Do Right. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Miller <laughs> Show with Peggy Mulligan. You guys, he doesn't know what to say to that one. I know. <laughs> it was a long, dry ride in. That's what I have to say. Right. You need a Mountie hat, though, if, you're gonna, if we're going to play that song for you. I don't know. Do you, did you recognize that theme? Uh, no, I did not. Oh, a, see, it's a generational thing. You know it. No? Anybody? Andrew? No? Ellie? No? That was Dudley Do-Right. Uh, that, I just didn't grow up watching cartoons. That's that all. That's was... why I'm, I'm. Remember me? I'm like pop culture illiterate. Oh, that okay. <laughs> I thought everybody knew that one. Okay, that's okay. I'm fine. All right. It's just. It's just me. It's Dudley Do Right. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And and you know, and and all you need to say to me is, "Come on, jerk." Seriously. All right. <laughs> so. That's it. Well, welcome back to the show. Well, the point I was making about Dudley Do-Right is that, you know, we've got the plant sentry system, uh, which has been developed where Tom 
Bouchelle works at Nature Hills Nursery. Um, how how did that come about? Did Nature Hills come up with it, or was it an independent group that did this that Nature Hills looked at and glommed onto? How how did that happen? It was actually a team effort uh, through through Nature Hills uh, and my horticulture uh, experience and our, our team's experience um, that we could see a hole in in online shipping. It was a massive struggle to try to figure out regulations, especially when you're dealing with a lot of different grower vendors. And, you, and it has to go by their inventory. So each genus and species are botan- by botanical name. Um, that's how things are regulated. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the fingerprint of the plant. Um, so we, we, we figured we had to put a database together because there's nothing like that that exists. And make Why it easy. not? That's the other thing I have to ask. Why, you know, cause, uh, and one of the things you point out with Plant Century, you've got 48, and, it, and it's basically the lower 48. I don't know why you wouldn't throw Hawaii in Alaska. We do there. have them in there. It's just that we, we, Nature Hills primarily ships to the lower 48. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, and Hawaii is its own special condition. Because, oh, absolutely. Because yeah. that is an area that really needs to be protected. Yes. And, uh, so there, I imagine their rules are way different from a lot of other states. Uh, but then you've got the, the contiguous 48, uh, and each state has its own regulations, right? Exactly. They're all, they're all, there's briefs posted on what they call the National Plant Board website, but it is a brief. You actually have to hunt around to find the full rules, which are mm-hmm. actually law, and interpret the full rule. And invasive species is handled differently by every state, and it's found in a different well, place. Well, because they're... Plants behave differently in different states. Absolutely. I'll give you an example, and you probably already know about this, is butterfly bush. You can't get it in Washington State because it's invasive in Washington State, but people love it here in the Midwest because, hey, sometimes you can't even keep it alive. So that's the difference between those two different climates. Absolutely. It's a regional regional thing or by the state. Uh, so uh, each state is, is taking efforts to protect their, their economics and, and other commodities or industries that may be affected by invasive species. So it's huge. And it costs states a lot of money. Indiana is a good example. I think it was $5.8 million a year they were figuring on cost to uh, try to clean up invasive species. And we want to prevent it. We don't want to react to it. It's much harder mm-hmm. to react. So tell us how the system works. So the system works as a grower supplies us with their inventory, um, and then we do a botanic scrub on their inventory because uh, to make sure that the botanic names are, are matching industry names to the, the regulatory information. When you say scrub. <laughs> yeah, scrub. Well, clean, that's, clean. That's make clean, sure, clean make sure it's clean. clean make sure yeah. things are spelled right. Um, some, some companies abbreviate things. or, or Right. And, so you, and, and it's something, again, we mentioned in the first hour of the show today, which is the botanical name – is one thing, but they have common names, and, and then people use shortcuts for how they refer to a plant. So now you have to – everybody has to be on the same page. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and, and from there, it, it gets paired against our regulatory database, and it generates a regulatory list for the grower uh, to take to their state a regulatory official to, to get the final, what we call, blessing, whether they would need a compliance agreement for a certain pest or pathogen – or a special permit or whatever to ship to a, to the destination state that they want to ship to. Um, from an invasive species standpoint, it's pretty cut and dry, except now we have a lot of sterile cultivars coming out so that are accepted in some states. So the, the program will also help help tell you that. All right. You, you, you say sterile cultivars and... <sighs> Let's say non-invasive. That's a better yeah, word. Yeah, but I, I'll tell theoretically you. Theoretically non-invasive. Theoret- yeah. And theoretically sterile because I'll tell you mm-hmm. one of the, the examples of that is calorie pear. All right. Mm-hmm. And I went to a conference a few years ago and they had talked about the different kinds of calorie pears like a Bradford pear and there are other calorie pears. And you're right. If you get uh, one of those 
uh, varieties, it won't it can't reproduce with itself with the same variety, but it can reproduce with a different variety. So it creates even a third variety that is now invasive. And that's the difficulty with so-called sterile plants. Uh, and I'm using air quotes here because they don't always remain sterile. Things happen. Things change. They can, absolutely. And, yeah. and that's, why, that's why other tools like pre-tool from PlantRight, uh, trying to assess, constantly assess these things to try to make sure that they don't get out of the, the, the box mm-hmm. again. Um, so it's, it, it's about using a lot of tools and, and, and preventing um, versus, versus reacting. The other efforts on Plant Century is once, that, once they do take that list of their state of regulatory official, they have access where they can check on a daily basis, the grower can, against their database to make sure that nothing changed. So it allows them to, to, to access the system and put the plant name in and, and the destination mm-hmm. state uh, and get that information kicked back and see if it's the same or not. Because that, it, it can change, and especially in fruit flies, it changes by the day. Ooh, fruit, so, fruit, fruit flies. flies. <laughs> I got to tell you something, and I'm glad you segued. Uh, this would be really quick. I, I can't <laughs> believe this. We had an infestation of fruit flies in my house, all right, and it was going on for days. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to do, and I was trying things that were – like even taking the vacuum cleaner and trying to – and that's not working. <laughs> you see you walk around I, the I know. Exactly. <laughs> they see me coming with that. And then, we, and then we called you, Peggy, and you had this idea. You know, you, you leave out wine, and you put paper over and poke holes in it. And then we went online and said, oh, come on. People have done this for years. we got to figure this out. We found a solution. I mean, it, it basically, you take apple cider vinegar. You, you put a few drops of dish, dishwashing detergent in it. And you leave it out. You don't even have to put a cap on it. And within 12 hours, the problem was mm-hmm. solved. You can put a little honey in there, too. It helps. Uh, we didn't even bit, need yeah. it. We just put the, the mm-hmm. apple cider vinegar and a couple of drops of detergent. And, and within a, a, a dozen hours, they were gone. And I thought, <laughs> why have I dealt with this for decades and not known this solution? Yeah. So there's They sell all these fancy things. No, you just use a simple... That's um, unbelievable. So I'm sorry to, uh, but no, the, that's non sequiturs are us. Yeah. By Nobody the way. likes fruit flies, right? Right. <laughs> so, and I, so, except for other fruit flies. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So do you guys use any type of prediction modeling of what you think is coming and and that's adjust an, your database in advance? That's an excellent question. We, we're actually looking out. So it, it takes time for things to get into law and. and uh, uh, spotted lanternfly, if you've heard of that before, that's mm-hmm. kind of the newer one on the block on the East Coast. Um, it originated in Pennsylvania, and it's kind of working its way across some of the eastern seaboard. Is before it actually becomes regulated into the state, we proactively build it into the tool um, mm-hmm. because it, there are reports coming out that there's small fines or whatever. And the, the minute that happens, you might as well just put it into yeah. the into the system to be you know very proactive. Um, so we are reading ahead a little bit. We're reading ahead on the invasive species front with with organizations that that we work with too, and using things like the pre tool. So we're doing a lot of those things. It takes a team effort to get all this done. All right. And the the other question is, how do you get the nurseries and the growers on board with Plant Century? Is there resistance to this? Uh, uh, and even if there isn't, how do you reach out to everybody to make sure that they're all part of this? Well, I was just at a at the Cultivate Show 19 in Ohio mm-hmm. and uh, met with some growers, and the growers are really excited about it um, because they're just pulling the hair out of their head trying to figure out regulations because you have to look for them manually, and that, that's impossible Right, you're growing something in, in Ohio or, or in Virginia <laughs> or someplace else, and you want to ship it to Colorado. How do you know what they're going to accept? 
Right. You have to go and you have to hunt for that information. Then you got to hunt for the invasive species information. It takes a it takes a substantial amount of time. And they want to focus on growing, right? That's what we want them to focus on, mm-hmm. growing and shipping and making sure that they're getting the correct compliance agreements in the pest and pathogen case to be able to ship somewhere. On the receiving end, growers can use this too because if they, they plug the plant information in and they're receiving the plant, they would know what compliance agreements to look for. So it would heighten their sense of awareness. Mm-hmm. In the sudden oak death occasion, it went through three places. Three strikes, you're out. Okay, the, the final final chain or the chain stores in that mechanism, if they would have been reading the compliance agreements and they had some kind of effort as to pictorial, like this is what it looks like, they would have seen something was wrong well, and they would have been raising their hand. I'm glad you said that because here's what happened. The original source of the plants were nurseries in Washington and British Columbia. All right, so now we're even talking Canada being part of this. Uh, and that's got to be a whole other set of re- regulations, it seems to me. Shipping records revealed that the plants from the same nurseries were routed through Oklahoma to garden centers in 18 Midwest states, including Illinois. Uh, and as we mentioned, uh, Ohio and Indiana, Indiana and West Virginia and Missouri. I saw a thing on the on the Missouri, well, actually an article in the St. Louis Dispatch. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let's see, uh, the um, Illinois Department of Agriculture, United States Department of Agriculture field staff inspected stores which had received plants from the same shipment and collected samples from symptomatic plants, those samples were tested at laboratories, including the University of Illinois Plant Clinic, Michigan State, Cornell, all of the big guns here, basically. They got yeah. those folks, <laughs> Kansas State and USDA labs, uh, and then the, the P. remorum was confirmed on plant material in stores across the state of Illinois and Indiana and other places. And so it's now, a, instead of having stopped this at the get-go, you're saying Plant Century would have probably prevented this from happening and now everybody's scrambling because this is an air i mean a soil borne and a waterborne pathogen which means if you're just watering your plants it's push it could be pushing the pathogen out of the pot and into the ground and into the water and spreading and suddenly we've got sudden oak death in illinois although i will say the right now the department of ag in illinois is saying don't panic we've not seen sudden oak death here yet but those plants are out there I mean, I don't know how they can be so sanguine about it. I, I'm thinking, I'm scared to death about this. Well, and I'm hoping that's where these companies get proactive with a recall because the, the, the chains have the ability to do that, not the grower, because at that point, they know who the customer is and who they sold them to, and they could send out recall cards or whatever the, 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 the aspect may be, just like the auto industry does or the food industry, yeah. getting that sense of awareness. Um there's 34, around 34 best management practices for Phytophthora remorum in a, in a nursery setting, but they can be used uh, when they go to the next grower or mm-hmm. to the chain store to create that sense of awareness. And the first one, believe it or not, is make sure that the company you're dealing with is, is compliant. Um, so that compliance certificate means something, so it should raise your raise a red flag when you're getting shipments to to be on the lookout for those types well, of things. Well, at some point, are you going to have the plant sentry seal of approval, and then you know? Absolutely, that's companies, something you're looking trying to do. Yeah, right? and companies that use use plant sentry can can use it on their websites that they're they're using plant. I mean, a lot of a, different industries have that. There's the, the wood industry has it. Uh, you know, the paper industry. Um, what are, I don't know. Well, USDA organic food has compliance labels. It's it's 
it's something that is we're used to. We've seen this sort of thing, so why not have it for ornamental plants as well? Absolutely. Whether it's uh, you know it's our plant century label. I mean, we're we're working with the state and mm-hmm. federal officials on a constant basis. That's another way we we, we make plant century work. I mean, from a maintenance standpoint, uh, they're a huge help to us. They're part of the team and. And they, they're understaffed. They're dealing with a lot of other issues uh, uh, with hemp and other things that are coming into states. And so it, it's difficult, you know, when you're spread thin. But there's thin. always, always yeah. new plants coming into states, and you have to be careful because everyone wants the latest yep. and the greatest. Yep. you got to know where it's come from. Absolutely, and this is the preventative uh, tool to do that. All right, here's I, I want to make sure people have the right information. We talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, the Illinois Plant Clinic says if you're concerned about a purchase, and again, if you bought a lilac or a, uh, a rhododendron, especially at a box store, uh, <laughs> I know. And that's the other thing. Did this was this just box stores? I know Hy-Vee, We found out is a is a supermarket. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw there was one, oh, I can't remember, one of them was like a tree uh, uh, supplier, and I forget the name of that. I'd have to go track that down. But it seems like it was basically box stores and not independent garden centers. Yeah, it was. And, and, and typically the, the the person that I think was in the middle, that's who they supply those mm-hmm. those types of avenues. Yeah. Um, so that's mostly yeah. the direction. There hasn't been any word or, or not very little word about uh, IGCs being affected. Good. Um, and that's why we so. tell you to shop at your local independent garden center, folks. <laughs> All right. Well, some of it's the way the get big your... box stores get their plants as opposed to, yeah, like you say, the IGCs. So I want to say that uh, you, you need to ask yourself some questions if you purchased it. Was the plant purchased in 2019? Is the plant a lilac, rhododendron, or azalea? Is the plant displaying any of the following symptoms? Dark brown spots, blotches, or tip dieback on leaves. I've got a photo on my website, MikeNovak.net. You can see what I'm talking about. Dark brown discoloration along leaf margins. Dark brown discoloration of the branches, usually starting at the tip of the branches. If the answer to all the above questions is yes, please contact the Illinois Department of Agriculture at 815-787-5476. Uh, Ellie, I'm going to give you that number again. Eight one, it's on the website too. Eight one five seven eight seven five four seven six. And again, sudden oak death has not been found in Illinois at this time. Per, plants purchased prior to 2019 are unlikely to be affected. Plants that are suspecting of have this disease should not be removed or destroyed. The Illinois Department of Agriculture needs to be contacted. Do not submit samples to any public garden, plant clinic, park district, or U of I extension office. Contact the Illinois Department of Agriculture at 815-787-5476. <laughs> it's, it's difficult to have to get this out. I know. But you know what? We're going to continue talking about this, Tom. Uh, I know this went very, very fast here, but I really appreciate you coming into the studio, and I, I love the idea of plant century, and we have to promote it. It's a privilege to be here, and, and online is representing a bigger part of industry, and I think, you know, go with plant century. If you don't see it online as a logo, don't go go to that site. Want to have a healthier, more eco-friendly Green Diva kitchen? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. The main characteristics of a Green Diva kitchen are that it produces delicious food, is healthy, eco-friendly, and low stress. Let's start by using more dish towels and cloth napkins because paper products make up one-third of municipal waste. Buying bulk dry goods saves money and reduces waste. 
please recycle more. An estimated 80% of what Americans throw away is recyclable, yet our recycling rate is only 28%. And of course, always try to buy local and organic food whenever possible. I'm Green Diva Meg. Please visit thegreendivas.com to find useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. This is Mike Novak. Serious and even not so serious gardeners in the Chicago area know that there's a year-round resource that always comes in handy, Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region, and it's packed with information about plants indoors and out. Every issue contains insightful articles by gardening pros, fantastic photos, science, and more. With features like what to do in the garden, design tips, and Chicagoland natives, you're going to be ready to grab a trowel and dig. Even I have a column in the inside back page of every issue. It's practically fact-free, and I'm proud of it. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. Go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. Got my loves are so sublime, uh, never trade them up for all the tea in China. Got my loves are so sublime, uh, never trade them up for all the tea in China. Family, sibling, grandma, care bear, my culture, my mind, braiding my own hair. Home got food and the PlayStation. In school got my friends and education. Went from sneakers into my high heels. Find out growing up is really real. Knowledge and aspirations begin to grow. Pride and confidence make me glow. Got my loves are so sublime. Uh, never trade them up for all the tea in China. Got my loves are so sublime. Uh, never trade them up for all the tea in China. Who be do what to do? I go to school throwing up twos. Become a better person to know what to do. My confidence, nobody has a clue. Teach moving forward. So I don't screw up in school. My door flip flops got me feeling real cool. Got my loves are so sublime. Uh, never trade them up for all the tea in China. Got my loves are so sublime. Uh, never trade them up for all the tea in China. <laughs> all right. Great job. All right. You know, I was I was looking for. Uh, I was looking for the applause, but I, I don't even have applause. So I'm going to give you the desert rain frog squeak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the desert rain frog loves what you're doing here. Okay? <laughs> oh, folks, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And we have some folks in the studio from the green scene. Uh, who are going to be doing a performance, five performances next weekend, right? Yeah, no, next week, during the week. Uh, mm-hmm. During the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are the dates? The 20... 20- so there's this Thursday, the 25th uh-huh. of July uh, at 11, 1, 3, and 6.30. And then Friday, uh, July 26th at 6.30. See, I consider Friday the weekend myself. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but uh, they were here last year, uh, and um, we have uh, some of the performers in the studio along with the director, and that's uh, Marty Sanders. 
uh, who was with us last year. And you're kind of uh, the impetus behind uh, Green Scene Chicago, right? Yes, correct. I started this organization six years ago. And you've been doing plays in mm-hmm. a garden in Chicago on the north side. And I've run into people who know about this and go, oh, yeah, we know Marty. Oh, we love that. Oh, that garden is so wonderful. And <laughs> and you even plant things there as part like when you did the uh, a show about corn, the backdrop yeah. with yes. you planted was corn. Yes. Uh, last year I came by and I saw the... Uh, the uh, show about Helianthus, Helianthus, yes. and uh, it's about you know Helianthus traveling the globe and 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 their historical slash uh, um, agricultural or mm-hmm. or um, horticultural productions, right? Yes, we we pick a we pick a crop or a plant, and I work with the teenagers and we plant it, and then um, we devise a piece of theater telling the story of that plant. And so the set is made up of the plant that we're talking mm-hmm. about. All right. And in the studio with Marty mm-hmm. are uh, Bem Asfa. Is that how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. Did I get it right? Yeah. Okay, Bem. I, I'm sorry. I, I like the name Bem. It's not Ben with an N. It's Bem with an M. <laughs> <laughs> Bem. Uh, that's a cool name. Thank you. Um, is it, uh, is it okay. just yours or is it got a history? Um, no, it's just mine, but it means faith in Amharic, which is, I'm from Ethiopia. My parents okay, are. it's talk right into the microphone, sorry. It means faith, and my parents are from Ethiopia, so it's in the Ethiopian language. Fantastic, that's mm-hmm. a great name. Uh, and we also have Rabia Azar. Azar. Uh, how, how do you pronounce Azar. that? Azar. Azar, Rabia Azar. Yeah. Did I? Okay, and uh, so what characters do you play? <laughs> I play the teapot. And oh, that's, that's back to Bem. She <laughs> yeah. plays the teapot. And Rabia? Um, I play Ensemble 2, which is just um, like one of the people in the beginning of the act. Okay. And she's also part of the choruses and yeah, many little a, players yeah. along the way. And that's the way these shows work. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. from the one I saw last year, everybody jumps into a bunch of different parts. And, exactly. Uh, we've all done, I've done shows like that too, as you know, where you just play a zillion roles. And mm-hmm. Those are actually really fun mm-hmm. because then you get your little moment on stage and you go off and you do another little moment. Right. Uh, and then also we have uh, Timothy Keem. Uh, he's yes. the, uh, did I get that right? Yeah, you, okay. you got it exactly right. Uh, on percussion, and tell me about your percussion. What are your percussion instruments here? Uh, so I have a green teapot, also uh, a blue one, uh, but they make two different notes. <laughs> so one makes one makes a doll note, and then the other one makes right. like a high piece. I used to have hold, a green teapot. Like yeah. hold, hold those up. Uh, those are kettles, one, actually. One tea at a kettles. T- tea yeah. Yes, one's a kettle. Right next to them. Right next to uh, right ne- Okay, so right. this one makes a doll sound. And right. then this one makes the lower high pitch sound. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so you do you have other what other instruments do you play during the performance? Um just these two. So I have an uh another uh, actor with us that that performs with me and he does the other two teapots. Mm-hmm. And we both like on software. And of course the name of the production is Not for All the Tea in China. Correct. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh and it's not me just being mad at people. It's just no, no, no. That's really the not name of the for show, all the tea in China. right? Exactly. Yes. Uh, so you're telling obviously the history of tea. What should uh, any one of you can jump in? What should I know about tea that I don't know right now? A lot of plants go right. into it, and there's a lot of history with it, and it's complicated and. Um, it might seem a little complex for kids, but we make it work in the play. So what do you mean there's a lot of plants that go into it? 
Uh, so in the beginning, um, we planted the scene in the garden, like our backdrops and everything. Mm-hmm. But we also planted plants for the tea, which we'll be serving during the performance. And we planted hibiscus and um, mint and lemongrass, chamomile. You got any bee balm there? Uh, yeah, we have lemon balm. Mm-hmm. Oh, lemon balm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's not bee balm, though. That's that's, Monardo, that, but yeah. I guess it's... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are, they, are lemon balm and bee balm... I don't think they're related. No. Yeah. No, but because... Uh, uh, Bergamot, which is a, a, a prairie plant, was used as tea mm-hmm. uh, often. Lots of plants. You know, it's amazing how many different plants you can create tea out of. So we, we actually got a donation from Gethsemane Garden Center that helped us with some of these plants. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chicago Botanic Gardens. And um, I also want to give a shout out to First Sip Cafe because they're going to be serving the they're tea. Serving the they're, they're donating the tea during the performance. And all the audience will get to drink tea and watch this free production. That so. is so civilized. Okay. <laughs> Isn't it? Have our pinkies yeah. out. Well, well, actually, uh, Tim is playing an alien, so it's not that civilized. <laughs> All right, Tim, Tim okay. tell, tell, tell me about the alien. Uh, so we have two aliens, and uh, basically, <laughs> basically, the aliens come down to Earth and see like two teapots and uh, don't know what it is and don't know like never saw it before, but they think it's like a bomb or some type of like <laughs> destruction weapon uh so we kind of examine it go around it and then we f- finally figure out from the kids that is tea and what like the history behind it basically and it's just like a little funny skit between me and you know players. this this has a history mm-hmm. um the muppets did this <laughs> oh they did <laughs> except yeah. it wasn't uh it wasn't a teapots it was a radio radio uh-huh. oh. Radio. And they come down, and the aliens come, and they're looking at, and then they turn the dial, and of course they. Uh, oh my gosh! Uh, I have yeah. to look that up. Yeah, yeah. To, I got to go uh, back on that. So, are you guys talking then about the actual tea plants as well as herbals and and other plants mm-hmm. used for tea? Yes. Yeah. So they we planted obviously we couldn't plant Camellia sinensis because it doesn't really right. grow right. here. Right. So we planted all kinds of herbal. Um, um, different plants that will make up herbal teas. And then after the production, um, the audience is invited to walk the garden, and we're going to have kind of a scavenger hunt where they can find the different plants that, that you can make tea they're going to be identified in the garden. Yeah, so we have like lavender and chamomile and mint and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff planted all over. I have to tell over. you, I am a huge chamomile tea, mm-hmm. tea fan. Mm-hmm. I just chamomile's the best, mm-hmm. and especially oh, somebody wants – yes, uh, I drink green tea, but yeah. I like uh, you know, no, too. no, green tea's great. Yeah. It's very healthy. Uh, the thing is uh, about chamomile; it's you know, it's it doesn't have caffeine in it, and it's just it's very soothing, mm-hmm. I think. And yes. but there's a lot of different kinds of tea. Uh, you know, I'm not gonna yeah, in different I, cultures. It's chamomile right. tea is very big in yeah. Right. So uh, how do folks get there, uh, and uh, how do they get tickets? So this play is free. It's produced by the Green Scene Chicago teens and um it's at winthrop harmony arts garden which is 4919 north winthrop 60640 that's, in a, uptown. A, that's a neighbor space garden isn't yes it? it is a neighbor space garden and you can get there on the cta red line argyle stop really easy mm-hmm. right um and so you have all the show dates here uh thursday july 25th 11 1 3 and 6 30 the show's about 45 minutes long great for kids um friday is july 26th at 6 30 
and um, audiences well, the, the, will come the and evening sit. Evening performance. Yeah, audiences <laughs> can come and sit picnic style, but I want to know. I want you to know that there are some chairs for adults too, and we are completely accessible for people who use wheelchairs. So please come and um, enjoy the free show and the free tea party and these great teens that are really um, putting their hearts and souls into uh, this production. Yeah, I got so. a photo of of the whole crew here uh, on uh, my blog post uh and uh we've got oh no and they're and they're they're about they're putting their heads down going oh no i can't yeah because you see these photos come back to haunt you and i'll tell i'll tell you tim you're, 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 come on you want to take a look at it come on that's up online i haven't seen it oh yeah this is this is what you're this is what your boss sent me, okay? So, so, so when you get in a photo and, and you're all, like, attitude, that that, that goes out yeah. there, okay? <laughs> so, so do we have a song to take us out here real quick for oh, 10 seconds? Well, we have one here. Well, you know, I'll tell you what we'll do. Maybe the next segment we'll do something real quick coming back in uh, just to, as, like, a bonus. No? No? Okay, she's shrugging. Guys, that's all we got here. Okay, <laughs> okay we're cool. We're hey. going into rehearsals tomorrow. Ah. Not for all the tea in China. Go to my website, MikeNovak.net, to find out more. Thank you guys for coming in the studio. Really appreciate it. This is Mike Novak. If you're a sustainable business and you're not part of the McHenry County College Green Living Expo, my question is, what? It's McHenry County's largest annual green living event, but it's one of the best green events in the area. These folks get it. The energy is palpable. They're ready to change the world now with your help as a vendor or sponsor. Call 815-479-7765 or email sustainability at mchenry.edu. A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. DNR Services Unlimited has been serving the north and northwest suburbs since 1992. They can take care of those little problems that never get done. They perform complete bathroom, basement, and kitchen remodels. And if you're looking for a complete home makeover, they can handle that too. Visit their website at RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. That's RestoreTheNorthShore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. This is Mark Dvorak, and you're getting environmentalism, gardening, green living, local food information, and sometimes even humor, sometimes musical humor, on the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki every Sunday morning from 9 to 11 a.m. on WCGO Radio 1590 and 95.9. Now, is this the dating game or some other, the newlywed game or... No. It's, it was, wasn't it just a regular... Was it just a song? Okay. 
Herb Alpert. And the Tijuana Brass. And the Tijuana Brass. Uh, I mean, it could have been used for something, but... Uh, it probably could have. Okay. City Grange has a question for you. How about some music, food, stories, friends, libations, and flowers? Lots of flowers on a summer evening. Join them from 6 to 8 p.m. this Wednesday for complimentary beverages. Children can gather around from 6.30 to 7 p.m. for story time while the adults libate. Uh, off Enjoy of their a, complimentary <laughs> beverages. Yes. Music by Gabriel Medina from the Old Town School of Folk Music, brought to you in partnership with Old Town School of Folk Music and Todd Apple Bar and Cocktail, or is that Appel? Todd Appel Bar and Cocktail. Anyway, a portion of the sales on July 24th benefits Slow Food Chicago, and that's what uh, City Grange does. They they benefit a lot of great organizations 5500 Northwestern Avenue at Catalpa. Go to citygrange.com. City Grange. Learn. Shop. Blossom. This is the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Boy, have we, <laughs> have we had a lot going on uh, in the uh, studio today and on the show. We're just uh, so wow. pleased to have so many people and so many different topics. And this is a time... Where normally you would hear Rick DeMaio, but Rick DeMaio said, I'm out of here for a couple of weeks. So, hey, that's okay, too, because we've got our buddy Pat Skatch on the phone. Pat is retired cooperative weather observer with the National Weather Service in Chicago, currently a climate research contributor with the College of DuPage Meteorology Department. Pat Skatch, good morning. Good morning, Mike and Peggy. How are you? We're good. Great. Thank you so much. You vol- Pat, he stepped up. He just like volunteered. He wrote us last <laughs> week. Said, okay, if Rick's not around, I'll, I'll give you a, a forecast here. And, and normally I would I would say to Patch, hey, uh, I'm sorry, to, to Pat, Pat, I, I just, oh boy, I combined them. <laughs> You're now Patch, okay? Uh, no. <laughs> Uh, but um, uh, normally I would say you're the stats guy and, and give us all these stats about the hot weather, but you've been busy the last couple of days, so you really haven't had a chance to compile those, have you? No, I haven't. Uh, uh, Mike, I'm sorry about that, but, um, you know, we had a nice, uh, pretty good shower with a few embedded thunderstorms move through this morning, and I was looking at some observation sites, and we've had about a half to three-quarters of an inch of rain already, um, so it's been, a you know, a, a pretty healthy rain so far, but it's not going to ruin the day. Uh, we should be ending this rain about 1 p.m. Uh, we'll remain cloudy, but um, uh, it's not going to be a washout day. It's going to be, you know, wet with the remnants, but that's about it for that. Well, that's good to hear. And I'll bet you were, uh, you know, at some point in the future, uh, I'm sure you're going to be looking at, I, I, I will ask you here because I know you, you love examining things. Are you planning to take a look at uh, the heat that uh, passed across this country, and it's you know this is the last day of it. I was listening on the way in. New York City is going to get hammered pretty good today by mm-hmm. the the heat, but then it all goes out to the uh, across the ocean. And and we uh, a guy we had on the first hour, Pete Udolph in the Netherlands, says they're bracing for a heat wave again in Europe. So it's it's <laughs> I don't know if it's going across the ocean, but there's probably other factors at work. But uh, I imagine well, it's moving east. In fact, I was at an attorney, a friend of mine who's an attorney. Uh, I was at his office yesterday, and I was explaining to him and showing him a national uh, view of it on a graph um, how that uh, the heat warnings, <clears throat> excessive heat warnings, were all the way up to uh, South Dakota 
and they were spreading across all the way east, you know, to uh, the coast. And then it was just diminishing throughout the day how we were removed from there, and slowly it was just removing uh, portions or states as you went further uh, to the east, and that's pretty much all gone now. So it did, it did just move off to the east, you're correct. All right, so why don't you uh, give us a forecast for the week, and then uh, next week uh, we'll have Mr. DeMaio back with us. Fine, okay. Uh, the rain will be ending about uh, 1 p.m., uh, remaining mostly cloudy. We'll have a high near 80 degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, tonight, a low around 65, and then Monday, cooler daytime temperatures, a high of only 75, and the rest of the week we're going to have daytime highs in the 80s and overnight lows in the mid-60s. So it's going to be a big change, a welcome change uh, from what we've been through uh, the last end of the last week. Do you see any uh, rain coming later on in the week? I do not. Throughout the rest of the seven days after today, I do not see any rain, Mike. Okay. okay. Well, uh, and as you mentioned, we got like three quarters. In... I, I had at least an inch of rain overnight. Really? Yeah. Okay. I, I checked the gauge this morning. So from the time the rain started midweek... I have about four and a half inches. Yeah, I had at that least. That sounds about right, Peggy. Yeah, four yeah, and a half exactly. to five, yeah. And there, sure, and there's other areas that had more. So, you know what? It's over with. We had it. We had the heat. Uh, but, you know, we can always use moisture. We're better off with that than being in a drought. Oh, yeah. So now we're going to have you know a dry period for seven days. And, you know, we're going to be in the A's again. So, you know. We're going to need that moisture. Yeah. No, and I, and I think that the uh, the moisture, I was so relieved when we had the good soaking yesterday mm-hmm. uh, after all that uh, the high uh, temperatures. Uh, and, uh, and Kathleen and I were really relieved that we didn't have to go water the tomatoes, okay? <laughs> yeah, all the plants are going, ah. Yay. So, all right, Pat, oh, you're, you're a great guy, and we appreciate the fact. I mean, Pat is actually one of the listeners to this show, mm-hmm. so he's, he's always paying attention. And, and uh, say hi to, to uh, your buddy Gina for us. Oh, thank you for remembering. Yeah, I'm the keeper dry today and cool. Uh, in fact, we've got a, a photo of you up on Facebook right now with Gina. So uh, you get to take. <laughs> I love that. Everywhere Pat goes, he's got a photo of Gina, uh, his dog. What kind of dog is she? It's a pug. That's a pug. All right. And yes. uh, you guys are. <laughs> I always look forward to seeing uh, your photos on Facebook. Uh, thanks so much, buddy. We thanks, will talk. Pat. We'll talk to you soon. All right, Mike, have a good day. All right, you too. Bye-bye. So uh, it's about at this point, uh, usually, is this mic still on? Because I'm, I'm feeling a little, no? No. Okay. It sounds a little hollow, but no. It, it does. Yeah, I'm just kind of surprised. Um, but uh, usually at this point, we're trying to get uh, Rick DeMaio to end so that we can get out of the show. <laughs> but holy smoke, we've got two minutes left. And two minutes. So I think this is what? I was going to give a shout-out for the... Um, uh, Night from a day one that oh, we were at this okay. week. Yeah, really. The uh, the Wetlands Initiative and the National Forest Foundation. We did the night at Medewin at City Winery on Thursday. Boy, that was fun. Uh, we had a great time and what a great crowd. And you almost won the trivia contest. Uh, I lost my ringer, though. She had to leave. Veronica. Oh, was Ver- Ah, so that's what <laughs> happened. I was trying yeah, to. That's part of it. <laughs> about halfway through. Uh, 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 Peggy was in the running for winning the trivia contest, but then kind of dropped out of sight. Uh, <laughs> but you no, were, no, I was still up there. But you were. You, you won a raffle prize. Yeah. 
So you got a little bison. Little, little bison, stuffed yes. bison. Yes. At any rate, uh, you should uh, support Medewin National Tall Grass Prairie if you get a chance. I also wanted to, to mention um, victory for the, the piping plovers yes. on Lake Michigan. Um, and if you didn't see it, go to our Facebook page because Mambi has been canceled. Man, and they just canceled it outright. And they blamed, okay, blamed somebody wrote about. You shouldn't use the word blame. Okay, it was because of high water and perhaps even the fact that the piping plovers have three new baby chicks on the shores of Lake Michigan in Chicago. How cool is that? Go plovers. Yeah, I'm so happy that it turned out that way after uh, all of this nonsense. Want to thank everybody on the show today. Roy Diblick, Pete Udolph, Tom Bushell, oh, all the folks from Green Scene Chicago, and Pat Scatch. Until next time, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. Come on, jerk. Seriously?